Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parents in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice and, of course, tales of parenting woe. Because let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, you're listening to Parent in Hell with... Can you say Rob Beckett? Rob Beckett. Can you say Josh Very nice. There we go. A little bit of back and forth, bit of French and Saunders there. They, they, yeah, they're doing Edinburgh run. It? This is my eight-year-old Liliana encouraging my six-year-old Rosalia to say your names. We talk a lot about the podcast and they like to listen to the other intros. They've now adopted calling you Josh Wigglyworm. Absolutely love the potty. I live for Tuesdays and Fridays. Kelly from Essex, 455 months. What's that, 40? Oh, lovely stuff, Josh. Lovely stuff. Josh, I think we need to be open with the audience. It's been a very stressful start this morning. Yeah, my fault, my fault. We started a bit late. What happened, Josh? Well, <laughs> I I had the time to do the nursery run because we moved it from 9 to 9.30. So your youngest is still in nursery because that's not term time, that's just... That's not term time, that's all the way through. But you're, is your daughter off school? Yeah, although she was going to go in, but now she's going to the zoo. She was going to go to play scheme. Yeah, how many days have you booked in for sort of, you know, there's like Easter camp or whatever it is? Or... Well, there's only, there's four available. For the whole two weeks? This week, there's none next week. Right. So she wanted to do all four, I'll be honest with you. Fair it enough. was quite a hammer blow to us. <laughs> but she wanted to do all of them. Most people have to convince the kids to go in for more. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> nah, I don't fancy it here, actually. Not for me. <laughs> I'm not saying she's a nerd, but she took up the option of four more days of school uh, voluntarily. Well, it's not school, though. It's fun, more fun, isn't it? Yeah. Well, she liked all the things because they were making things. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And they listed what they were doing. <laughs> she was like, yeah, I want to do that day and that day and that day and that day. But she's not, though, now. No, she's going to the zoo instead. Oh, that's nice. On her, her own? Cousin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she just fancies it. She's getting the tube to Camden. <laughs> I think it's good, isn't it? Letting we have a bit of independence. Yeah, exactly. I'm not really into the zoo, so she can enjoy it herself. Um, no, she's going to the zoo with her cousin. Oh, nice. And adults as well. <laughs> yeah, she's quite a... Um, it was her friend's birthday yesterday. Oh, yeah. And uh, 
she went to the party, but we, because I wasn't around, I dropped her off at her friend's house before the party, and I said, you know, help the mum get the party ready. And she, uh, well, she got there and they hadn't done the party bags and she insisted to the mum that they go and buy party bags and did them with her. She likes to impress other parents. But from an organisational point of view? Yeah, she likes to <laughs> to be useful to other parents. Right, okay, let's do that. Oh, I'll help you do that kind of thing. Yeah. What goes in an East London party bag? Hemp? <laughs> some sage to burn? Well, you do get some pretty trendy party bags going, yeah. Often seeds. Sustainable shit. Yeah, often seeds, I'd say. Yeah, often seeds. The shittest of all the party bag gifts. Do you think? Yeah, it's hard work. I love a seed. No, you come back from a party, the last thing I need to be doing is in the garden getting some soil to pot a seed that's going to be overwatered, spill, and just be a shit plant. It will never grow. No. Basically, mud water on the table for the next week, and then in the bin. Yeah. Um, no, Josh, why were you late, though? That's it. I've not got a problem with it, but you said it was, something went wrong. Yeah, so got in the car... Yeah. Well, I didn't even get in the car. Got to the car. Yeah, for the nursery run. For the nursery run. And a, this is classic me, bird had shat all over the windscreen. <laughs> How much are we talking, Josh? Oh, straight interaction, took a photo. <laughs> this guy lives and breathes content. Come on. Yeah. Sling it this way. So. Oh, there you go. Big old bit. That is not good, but it's not ruining the visibility, is it? You no, know, but you know. it's right in front of me. I couldn't drive with that on the windscreen. So... Let me guess what you did. You put the window wipers on and spread it and it got worse. No, I attempted to use the windscreen washer. Yeah. Obviously it's empty. <laughs> of course it says you don't understand cars. <laughs> no, of course it's fucking empty. Tires are flat, no petrol. Well, interestingly on the tires, I have had a warning that they are under pumped for at least two months that I do need to see about. Right, Josh, you've got to do that. You've, that is actually dangerous. No, it says I can drive, but I can't go over 80 miles an hour, which obviously I don't do anyway, because you know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> so you was late because of bird poo on the on the windscreen? Well, then I had to go inside, yep. get some hot water, wash it off, get in the car. Obviously, there's not enough petrol to get to and from nursery. Oh, my God. Yep. So I had to go to the petrol so station. petrol station. Yeah. After drop-off, it's always stressful with a baby in the car, isn't it? Yeah. You can't really leave them. No, so there we go. You always see that stressed parent with like a baby on their hip and a toddler up their side when they're trying to pay for petrol. You think, it must be really low. Oh my God, yeah. If they can't do it on the way back from wherever they're going. Yeah. So you have to get petrol and the bird shit in the car with windscreen. But you're in now. Was there yeah. anything else? Or was... No, that was the reason. Because right, I'd say, Josh, I was worried something bad happened. Can I play your um, voice note yeah, yeah. of what, what happened here? Yeah. Here we go. Guys, I'm having an absolute car shocker. I think that's fair. Can we do 9.40? I've just... Uh, it's been a disaster. My morning has been an absolute effing disaster. I'd argue that wasn't a disaster. No, I know. I'd say you needed petrol. I think I'm being melodramatic. Yeah. I'd say you just needed some petrol and there was a bird pill in your car, but yeah. absolute disaster. I thought you'd crashed. <laughs> Not a bad one, but I thought you'd like yep. bumped into someone yep. at to exchange. It's like yep. a couple hundred quid's worth, but you have to go for insurance, exchange details. Yeah, no. Then you said this. Feel free to use that message. The good news is I've got an anecdote. The bad news is my life's out of control. I think my life is out of control. I've got no petrol, no windscreen washer, and my f- tyres are flat, and I've parked <laughs> under a tree without realising it. I'd argue both of them aren't true. I don't think you've got an anecdote out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think your life's out of control, Josh. <laughs> I think yeah I think you're definitely right on the anecdote 
<laughs> but I do think maybe you're too busy to do all the little normal life admin jobs. Yeah. And then when they mount up, nothing works, does it? No. That's the issue. There we go. Right, well, Should we bring on our guest? A man with an anecdote. Oh, this guy. More than one anecdote. This guy. Fucking hell, I love Mike Bobbins. In it, we agree, like, a body transformation sort of deal, don't we? Which is something to look forward to. Oh, yeah. So we've got to get in shape for that, Josh. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Here's Mike Bobbins. Very funny man. He's on tour. Go and see him. Hello, Mike Bobbins. Hello. Hi, Josh. How are you, mate? <laughs> Hello. And Rob's here as well. Hey, Rob. How are you, pal? Hello, Mike. Thanks for doing this. We're very excited. My pleasure. You know, I've got nothing else to do, literally nothing else to do. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Well, I'm waiting for a town planner to come around. Um, oh, that's yeah? about it, really. That's my day. A town planner? I'm not going to plan a town. What plans have you got? <laughs> I'm going to build my own new town, Bevan's New Town in the South Wales area. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be the Welsh Milton Keynes. I cannot wait. <laughs> It's pure roundabouts everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the town planner coming around for? Yeah, what are you doing? An extension? And I want to build a garage for my classic cars. Oh, oh. here we go. But that sounds posher than it is, really. They're just old Fords and old Pontiacs. But where's that? On another bit of land or by your house? It'll be in my house, but it's in front of the uh, the front of the house, you see, Rob. So planning-wise, right. it's a grey area. Okay, and that's oh. what he's coming around to have a look at. It's yeah. quite a high-pressured chat, that, isn't it? Oh, big time, yeah. And like, there's also a tree preservation order to uh, negotiate, oh. so... Oh. Okay, but they don't understand you're trying to preserve your cars. Well, exactly, mate. You know, uh, my car is to me what that tree is to a wood sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> and when's the sparrows meeting? I don't stop them building a nest, do I? <laughs> I just find it's hard to know how sort of like charming or sort of matey to be with that town planning type. You know, people that they have a hold over you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of they can say yes or no to your, your plans. Yeah. I can never get it right. I always feel like I'm going too hard. Yeah, it is hard not to over, over try, is that the word? Yeah. Hello, mate, you are right? I'll come in. Do you want a cup of tea? Yeah, do you want to put you on holiday? Where do you want to go? <laughs> you're right. Anything I can do? Does this guy hold your future in his hands or is he trying to help you? I think he's trying to help me. All right, so he's not making the decision. Well, he can tell, Josh, that I'm a kindred spirit. I, I'm interested in preserving the, the character of the area as anybody else. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You love that tree. But if I can do that while chopping down trees and building a garage, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone could accuse you of being too modern, Mike. There's no way that anyone's going... The problem with Mike yeah. Bovins is he's got no time yeah. for the past. <laughs> well, we should explain your vibe to sort of new listeners, Mike, because, mm. you know, you're sort of... Well, you're good pals of Alice James, who's been on the pod a few times. Well, yeah. You're obviously a parent, which is why you're here. Oh, yeah. Another stand-up comedian. But also, you're very 70s, aren't you, in your look and your style? I do like that era, Rob, yeah. Yeah. I like the cars and the, and the telly and the clothes. So what are you wearing today, Mike? We can see you, but it's... Well, a... I'm just wearing a sort of one of my typical type of shirts. This one's probably a little more dressed down than normal. Yeah. I'm wearing a moustache. Yep. Yeah. I'm wearing sideburns. Yeah. Sure. I'm sat in front of a rather large portrait of Burt Reynolds in Smokey the Bandit. <laughs> And a 70s table there. there See, I would argue, for the listener to picture it, mm. on a normal day for you, mm. you could be mistaken as someone heading to Butlins for a 70s weekender. Yeah. yeah. Or like, you know, like Ron Jeremy, who sort of got lost on the way to set. Yes. Yeah, I think he's got lost and gone to prison recently on a current... Yeah, well, he's been disgraced. I mean, that, it was bad enough being compared to him before. <laughs> You know that porn star you look like? Now it's got worse for you, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good news and bad news. But we should probably talk about your kids at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to use that to lead into your child. Okay. Does your child... Sorry, what have you got? You've got a boy who's 12, right? Something like that? He just turned 13. Just turned 13. My little girl's 10. Lovely. And your little girl's 10. Mm. So how do they feel? Because 
when I was growing up, my dad had a ponytail, oh. and I found that that, oh, yeah. you know... <laughs> yeah, you've been tired with the same brush then, haven't you? <laughs> you don't like difference when you're a kid and your parents. No. How do they feel when you turn up in your Ford Cortina mm. from the 70s, mm. dressed as Ron Jeremy, <laughs> at the school gates? Is that something they're excited by, or...? My son gets moderately embarrassed by me, I think. Yeah. Well, my daughter is of an artistic bent, like I am. So yeah. She will happily go to, to the shops dressed as uh, a wizard from Harry Potter or, yeah. you know, roller skates on. She doesn't care about that stuff. But my, my son, my son, uh, I do try to keep embarrassing him to a minimum. But, I mean, there's only so much I can do. Yeah, yeah of, course, you know, my, of course. My face is my face, my clothes are my clothes. <laughs> my clothes. <laughs> what I'd say, though, is you're personality-wise, very sort of gregarious, chatty, mm. and, yeah. you know, obviously you're you know, yeah. artistic and sort of, like, flamboyant in your outfits and stuff. But I'd put you down as sort of, quite a normal Welsh bloke. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think Like, you can chat to anyone. It's not like you sort of go off on weird flights of fancy when you're talking about stuff, you know. No. You like a drink, you like the rugby, you like sport. That's quite a Welsh dad. Sue me. Sue me. (laughs) It is, you know. (laughs) Ellis and Steph, I did the other pod with, are amazed that I spend... When I finish gigs, I tend to spend an hour or two having a drink with everybody after the gig. Really? And then on a few of these tour gigs, I've gone to the pub with the punters as well afterwards and just had a game of pool and a few pints. It's been lovely, yeah. Bloody hell, Mike. Great, isn't it? Because I'm at that level where we're doing decent-sized venues. I couldn't do if I was doing the O2. No. I'd have a bloody good go with it. (laughs) Need a big pool table. (laughs) But we've got like a 200, 300-seater theatre. Nice, perfect size to go on on the razzle with the punters, isn't it? Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Now, one thing I know from your Instagram is your parenting-wise, and I don't think we've had this yet, you are the coach of your son's rugby team. Is that right? I am. Oh. I have been since they were under sevens, and they're under 13s now, yeah. And what's that like as a job? What are the other parents like? The parents are very nice. It's a nice club. The other thing that you might not be apparent from Instagram, of course, is that it's a Welsh-language rugby club. Right. Oh. So my son's in Welsh-language. I don't speak Welsh. I'm a Welsh learner. So I do try to coach them in Welsh and English, which is interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I say, what's one of the most like common things you say? I played football growing up, and it would be when you're young, stop bunching, stop bunching. So yeah, yeah. I don't know what the equivalent is in rugby when they're young. What is it they're doing a lot of? You might say edrichavani, which is look up, so you're not playing with your eyes down. Look up, pasioch arachwith, which is past the left, pasioch ar yeah there, past the right, aros stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, what are you doing? We didn't do that in training. I thought stop was Araf. Oh, is that Araf slow? Araf is slow, yeah. Araf. That single F is a soft F. It's like a V, Rob. Yeah, that's from the motorways. Araf. 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 Okay, it's good to know. Because when you drive into Wales, you get told to Araf a lot on the motorway. You do, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's an absolute Araf frenzy. And English comics always make a hilarious gag about giraffes, usually at gigs, which is always funny. Do that. Giraffes for a, yeah, a ra- yeah. Oh, no, that's poor. Yeah, yeah, I know it is poor. It is poor. That is weak. But some people haven't got the chops and they panic. <laughs> that's life. That's it, mate. I'm guilty of the same thing, you know. I'm- <laughs> 
And we've all been there. Do you worry about being seen to give your son special treatment in the rugby team? I feel bad for him because there's a fellow called Dave Young who coaches Cardiff and he his son plays as well. And he, and he talked recently about he felt he went harder on his son yeah. to not look biased. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a real balance now. Like I will pick him up in training more than I pick up other kids and I will say stuff to him during a game that I might not say to other kids. When we go home, I have to say, listen, mate, I'm not picking on you, but just you know, there's things I can say to you that I can't say to other people and they'll listen to me saying it to you and right. they might stick a bit. Oh. But I love him. It's hard though, isn't it? Have you had to drop him from games? No, he's, he's luckily our best player. He's like his dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that's the issue, isn't it? For the good of the team. Oh, yeah. But if he is a good player, then that takes that pressure off you. If he was crap, I wouldn't coach him because I, I couldn't face it. <laughs> So when did you realise he wasn't crap? Well, he got picked for the city, the county, sort of a year early when he was like oh, wow. nine. So he was playing under under 11s when he was nine. Right. That was fine then. They went to Dublin on a tour. It was great. I went over them. It was, that was his first trip away from Wales, really. It was a rugby tour. Oh, wow. Like two nights in Dublin with a, with a family that he, he'd never had a sleepover at a mate's house before. Oh, really? And then he's, I'm getting this rugby club in Dublin, meeting this Irish family, and he's, he's off for three days. Yeah, it was weird. Very strange. It's good, though, sport. It does help them, like, you know, with working in a team, experience new stuff and things like that. Well, I'm an XPE teacher, so I'm always going to be a bit biased. But, I mean, I do think it is the best thing for kids. It hasn't got to be team sport, but just doing something where you, you know, you've got to work hard and there's a bit of a meritocracy going on. And And is there a chance he's going to make it? Are you looking at a professional rugby player here, potentially? He could be, if that's what he wants to do, and gets his head down. There's no reason why he can't do it. He's got the talent there, and he's, he, I think he'll have the uh, physical attributes if all goes well. <laughs> yeah, puberty's a big big deal in rugby, isn't it? No, he's a big... That really, he's a difference maker at that age, <laughs> under 13s to under 15s. There's some players, yeah. the big, hairy nuts, ploughing through other teams yeah, with yeah, no yeah, skill yeah. whatsoever. Well, I've always worked on him with, with the passing and the kicking, because there's nothing worse than that, mate, when you see it. Yeah. You know, and some parents love that, and they go... Oh, oh yeah. it will drive him out, I think. He's learning nothing, mate, and nor is any other kid on that pitch. He's just being bigger. Yeah, and he'll be bigger till he's about 15, and everyone will catch you up, and then just be the crap kid with no skills. Yeah. yeah. Are you having to deal with touchline parents being wankers? Unbelievable, mate. Really? <laughs> and don't believe the hype that it's just football, yeah. because that is not true. I didn't know there was hype. Well, no, there's a, there's a sort oh, of... rugby fans think they're good, don't they? There's a bit they? of a snobbery with rugby that people think that, you know... Oh, that gentleman playing... It's absolute bollocks. A sport for hooligans by gentlemen and a sport yeah. for gentlemen played by... Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I hate rugby. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, do you know what? I hate English rugby. Yeah, English the rugby. The same way... That's what I was going to say. When you go to Scotland, Ireland or Wales, it's a totally different sport played by totally different yeah. people. There's an yeah. elitism in England with rugby. Yeah, yeah very much so. Right? Rugby league's different. Whereas Welsh football's got those poncy twats like Ellis James. That's where awful. the poncy awful. Are. Those glory hunters. We don't even have the good decency to live in Wales. Proper plastic Welsh people live in London for their extra dollar. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why Ellis James goes over the top with all the Welsh language stuff, just because he knows he's not really Welsh anymore. I've got nothing to prove, mate. I've got nothing to prove. He's lived in London longer than he's lived in Wales. Yeah, of course he has. What does that make him? I'm making less money here because I love my country. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you, Mike. Thanks, mate. (laughs) But you do get the parents and the coaches who give you a really hard time. And my problem is I've always had a fairly short fuse. Right. I mean, I refereed the first half of a game last week and it got so fractious that I just said, I'm not doing the second half. <laughs> That's fine. You can referee it. I don't need those bollocks. Did you? I gave someone else the whistle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I had the coach and the players on the pitch swearing at me at an under 13 rugby oh, game. Was your team playing as well, was it? Yeah, my boys' team was playing. I and mean, we, we were just having to be a lot better than they were. But rather than think, well, we're getting beaten by five tries in the first half because we're not as good, they think this must be the referee's fault because we can't possibly be 
that bad. And are you God. sending them off and stuff? Well, I sent the kid off right towards the end. <laughs> I said, if you swear at me again, so if you've got something to say to me, talk to the captain, he can have a chat with me. But if you're going to swear at me again, I am going to send somebody off. So how old's this kid? 13. 13. And what did he call you? Oh, he just said, fuck off, you <laughs> Fairly, you know, standard, standard swear. So I sent him off. Can't do that. Yeah, that's so bad, isn't it? I gave a scrum against them, <laughs> and he, he said that to me. So it's off you go. I've told you, go on. Yeah. And I said, there's a penalty now, not a scrum for that. You're off. Yeah. So their coach then said, call that half time. We'll bring them all off. I said, it's not half time. It's two minutes to go. <laughs> We're calling the half time. I said, you're not the referee. <laughs> So he took his team off. Yeah. Our team were leaving. And I said, where are you going? I said, come back. We haven't blown the whistle it's yet. It's been a mutiny. I said, tap the ball and go and score a try under the post. <laughs> I love you, man. So that's what he did. Bang, bosh. I said, Shh, no, that's half time. Okay. We've got to learn, right? We've got to learn. I mean, they won't. But, you know. Oh, wow. Oh, that's amazing. And does your daughter play rugby as well? She had a go at it. She tried for a bit. Mm. She sort of mastered the sort of defensive sidestep, but um, <laughs> it's not really her thing. She tried football, tried rugby. I think she likes hockey. She loves singing and dancing and acting, that sort of thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, just not, not not as bothered? No, she just thinks it's pointless. And she's got a point. I mean, when you break it down, football and rugby are a bit daft. <laughs> it, it is pointless. Well, imagine if she's on the sidelines and she's watching her dad and brother not play rugby because they're arguing and being sworn at in the rain. Yeah. You sort yeah. of think, is this what I want to be yeah, doing? It's just not me, you know. Get me back on doing the Frozen soundtrack. Yeah, that sort of stuff. She loves all that. And your son, obviously, is growing up now and getting a bit older, getting bigger. Mm. And the next few years, he's sort of going to develop into a man. Yeah. How's that going to feel for you if he's bigger than you and stronger than you? Well, he will be. He's like a rutting stag now. He's 13. Really? Yeah. He's going to be over 6'4", six, 6'5", six, Ben, when he finishes. Oh, do you reckon? Well, if you look at all the sort of metrics, yeah. I mean, he's... So have you looked at the metrics? <laughs> You've looked at the metrics. Oh, yeah, from a young age. So go on, <laughs> Well, you would be measuring him up on, like, the percentile chart, because they always tell you. Yeah, yeah. Look at the percentile chart, see where he's going to be. And size is a good indicator of athletic prowess, so is foot size. So, we're, we're, you know. Bloody yeah, it's like having Richard Williams on that. I've got to think of the retirement, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so if they've got bigger feet when they're younger or slightly tall for their age, does that mean they'll probably be better at athletics and sports? Yeah, hands and feet are really good indicators, usually. Oh. Right, OK. Things are easier to you. I bought a lovely pair of copper Monday arms for myself, mm. yeah. for refereeing. <laughs> And I bought him a pair as well. So I bought tens. He's in nines. He's in nines. That's what I wear. But they're a bit too small for him now. So he's going to be in tens now. So he'll be in size 10 shoes. You know, he's in year eight. Bloody hell. So how tall are you, Mike? I'm six foot. You're six foot? Yeah. So where does it come from? Because your wife's not that tall, is she? Yeah, no, she's not. She's not very tall. Yeah, I mean, at night, Mike goes in and stretches him for an hour, don't you? <laughs> yeah. A couple of bungee cords. But apart from that... Just... He's doing some rigorous physical exercise since he's got three. <laughs> Well, my eldest is a bit like your youngest, not really that bothered about sport and just mm. would just always prefer to do art and sing and dance and stuff. Lovely. And my younger, my younger one, she like loves sport and she's got the same size feet as her sister, even though she's two years younger. There you go, Rob. See, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And she's like stuff. She just sort of she just took to going on a scooter quite easily and stuff. But yes. yeah, I think you can see from an early age of like their balance and like it's just if you can naturally just get on with it at a younger age. Well, my daughter loves that stuff. She picked up ice skating straight away and roller skating. She skateboards. You know, she, she loves all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But she's just not sporty. She just likes to do her own thing. She'll skate around the house in her skates, you know. And do they like Elvis? Because you're, you're obviously defined yourself as an Elvis fan. The world's biggest Elvis. Very touchy, very touchy subject. Is it? Because mm. they're aware that he's actually hugely overrated as... Joshua. They were weaned on Elvis. And then, of their own volition, they've strayed away from the path of righteousness. They don't really... <laughs> It's heartbreaking. 
I got videos of the kids when they were little. I used to sing the same sort of Elvis song to them, get them singing, join in with the dancing, give them a microphone. Because you were an Elvis impersonator before you were a comedian, just for people that don't know. We prefer the, the phrase Elvis tribute artist. <laughs> oh, sorry, 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 sorry. There is in Wales a massive Elvis convention, isn't there? In like it's huge. Porth Call, is it? or Porth, Porth Call, yes. Yeah, the world's biggest, according to their website. Yeah. The world's biggest Elvis like <laughs> meetup, isn't it? It is. Every third weekend of September. Yeah, because I was there with a the week before and they was like, oh, you should have come next week. Yeah, yeah. I was like, really? If you love Elvis or dickheads, get down there because there'll be loads of Elvis. <laughs> Did you ever go? Every year, yeah. <laughs> I used to host the main tent there, the, uh, the Graceland Market. All right, mate, stop bragging. We've all got jobs. <laughs> the We've all had gigs, mate. Come on. Uh, yeah. It was good fun. But I love the king. But, um, but the kid's not into him. No, they're not now. And it is... It's one of those things. The two things that upset me about the kids growing up. The one is they can't remember my mother anymore. And then just behind that, almost on level peg, they don't like Elvis anymore. Really? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, so did your mum pass away when they were younger then? No, she lives down the road. <laughs> they just don't see each other <laughs> yeah, just, just don't talk. Yeah, because yeah, she loves Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> no, so mum passed away when they were like two and five, I think. Oh. And we think, love them, because they're such nice kids. We all think our kids are nice. They would sort of lie for a while about how much they remembered my mother. And I thought one day, this is not... You, you know, <laughs> Start saying stuff from Mary Poppins. Yeah. yeah. The umbrella she used to arrive on. She wasn't in the Jamaican bobsled team. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, she used to kiss the egg for luck. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, But the oldest thing is weird, isn't it? I'm thinking they might come back round yeah. to it. Well, uh, the film's great, so I think that will get new people into oh, it. The film is fantastic, isn't it? So good. Oh. I saw it three times in the cinema in a week. I haven't done that before. Oh, I'd love the, the bloke selling the tickets, seeing you turn up, looking like Elvis. Back again, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elvis again? Yeah, no problem. In you go. Well, with the moustache, I don't get that anymore. But I used to get that because I had the sideburns and then the, and the Yeah, because I met you years ago at a gig and I think you were still in sort of very Elvisy sort of mode. I don't think you had the moustache. Yeah. Well, no. And I didn't know if you was doing Elvis stuff or not, but yeah. you still looked enough like Elvis. You look like Elvis on a travel day. Not a show day, so he didn't have like the full white suit on, but just yeah, enough yeah, yeah. to go. What yeah. is he? I don't know what's happening here. I don't know what he's going to do yeah. when he gets on stage. Maybe you're doing like a breakfast radio show interview, but you're not doing a full yeah. performance. Yeah, he's got a jazzy shirt on, but shorts. That's what I think. Exactly. Yeah. Elvis, but not as you know it. Do you think your want for them to like Elvis is the thing that puts them off? Do you know what I mean? It's that. It might well be that. Yeah. I think it's a bit of that rebellion going on, especially my son. Yeah. I'm not. Apart from the rugby, not liking the things that I like. Really? What does he like? Well, he loves. He's told me he's going to start playing football again next year. Mm-hmm. So there's He'd that. Be a goalkeeper, big <laughs> lad. Uh, More money in it. I think he'd be in a good centre half. I think. How would you feel if you played football over rugby and he could have gone pro in both? I'd feel immeasurably richer if he did the football. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be loving it. What about if, if he became a professional rugby player, but due to you know a relative, yeah. uh, he represented England. Now, do you know what? This would depend entirely on whether he'd been offered to play for Wales first. So I remember when I was playing sort of national level rugby as a youngster at 18. So I was in the Welsh school squad at that age. And me saying to my mother, because my dad was born in Sussex, right? But he's Welsh, but born in England. So you're not even Welsh, Mike? <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm just like, you're not fully Welsh, really. I'm eligible to play for England, which was the thing. So I remember saying to my mother. <laughs> yeah. And where was she born? She's from the Welsh Valley, she's from Merthyr Vale. A staunch Welsh supporter for the rugby. And I said, man, what if I, what if I got offered a play for England? I said, but, you know, England hadn't had offered me a place, and Wales wouldn't offer me a place. 
She said, well, what would you do? I said, well, I'd play for England. I said, if if I knew that Wales had overlooked me mm. and England wanted to give me a shout, I said, I'd play for England, wouldn't I? She said, well, oh, well I wouldn't support you. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? I said, well, if Wales played England, I'd want Wales to win, wouldn't I? I said, well, if I was playing for England, you'd want Wales to win. She went, yeah. So I'd want you to have a decent game, but I'd want, I'd want you to get beaten. I said, oh, fair enough. You know, so I think I've been the same sort of thing with my son. I don't know, though. I mean, the, the English, sort of, as you get a little bit older, the school system over there seems to be set up quite well for the rugby and stuff, but I just like him playing in Wales. Like, for the reasons that we mentioned earlier, and I'm not being a snob about it, I just think it's all about sort of clubs and working class over here a bit yeah. more. But if football, mate, imagine if he gets, if he loves football, if he doesn't play sport, any sport, I don't care, as long as he's happy. How about this, Mike? He plays sort of as a, a rotation player for Bournemouth. Yeah. Like, if you said, you know, his name, people would go, never heard of him, but he's in a Premier League team, earning really good money, living in Bournemouth, plays sort of 10, 15 games a season. Best of both, right. wasn't it? But, 60 grand a week and no one knows who you are. Right? <laughs> exactly. So nobody knows he is and he's on probably, say, five million a year, maybe more, oh. right? Or he plays professional rugby, mm. not earning as much, mm. but is a starter for Wales. Oh, Rob. And he's on, I don't know what a professional rugby player would get normally, but like... Yeah, you'll know what that. What would that be? Half a million quid. He's on half a million quid a year, which is decent, you know, yeah. obviously a huge amount of money, but... Great money. Five million's the other, but no one knows he is. And he's a starter for Wales, and he's there for 10 years, Six Nations, World oh, Cup. Yeah. What a horrible conundrum. Well, the parents' answer is you'd want him to be happy, wouldn't you? Yes. But it'd be, it'd be play for Wales, really. Because <laughs> <that situation. laughs> yeah. you'd, you'd still be well off, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd make half a million quid a year for 10 years. Yeah. 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 Or you could make You're set for 10 life. years' salary in one year. Yeah, but you're never going to spend 200 million quid, are you? <laughs> well, give it a go. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have a good bash it yeah. Imagine the garage you could build for your cars. Be awesome, wouldn't it? Wouldn't be a fucking tree in Cardiff. <laughs> oh, yeah, so yeah, what else is he into then as a teenager? Obviously, you bond over the rugby and the you know the football and sport and stuff. But yeah. is he into TikTok? Is it that? What is? Is it a bit of a? Yeah, he does watch a lot of that on his phone. He plays a lot of FIFA on, online with his mates. Just teenage stuff, isn't it? He loves his weights. He started doing weight training. Now he's loving his weight training. See that? See that? Wasn't even a thing when I was a kid. No, I can see. <laughs> <laughs> or as an adult, Josh. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a parent, I could consider you to be, you know, you're quite modern and, yeah. you know, liberal and I can imagine quite fun as a parent. Yeah. How does it differ from the parenting you had growing up in Barry? Ooh, we moved house last year. And my biggest thing is I want the kids to feel that they can bring their mates home anytime. They can take what they like out of anywhere. They can play with what they want to do. They can go in the garden. They can go in the, they can go do what they want. And all their mates can do the same thing as well. Yeah. So the big difference for me was growing up 
I mean, Dad could have seen my rugby games and that, and Mum was a good mum and everything. You know, I, I had a good childhood by 70 standards. <laughs> yeah. But um, I never felt like it was like an open house. I never felt like it was my house, yeah. my friend's house. It, it was like, this is very definitely my mum and dad's house. Yeah. I've got to ask permission to stuff and ask permission for this. And yeah. can this person come over? Can they do this? I never wanted that to be the case. Yeah. I lauded my yeah. wife. See and not be heard, isn't it, basically? That you just were like, shut up. Yeah. Well, I remember my dad would smoke like in the living room, you know, watching Match of the Day or whatever. You know, He doesn't smoke now, but he smoked a lot back then. I'd be sort of sat, I'd just make these little um, filters out of yogurt pots and cotton wool. And I'd sit in the corner like some kid from a 1950s US government commercial, just with this thing over my nose, just breathing, trying to filter out the tobacco fumes. <laughs> like a dick, you know. No, I think, what a lovely memory. Yeah, it was lovely. Watching Grandstand with a gas mask. Well, yeah, I think the 70s, because you're like, you know, how old was you like in your 40s when you had the kids? Or late 30s? I was, let me work it out now. I was 37 when we had Ben, and I was 40 when Daddy was born, yeah. Yeah, so you're about, my dad was about in his 40s when he had us and stuff like that. Mm. Did you think that, like, you weren't going to have kids, or what was you thinking, or was you always going to be an older parent? It generally never crossed my mind. I was, I was, um, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed myself in my 20s, going all over the place and having no responsibilities, and then I met Kelly when I was about 30, 31, and uh, we just got great together. And I was, for the first time in my life, I was thinking, oh, I can actually imagine myself staying with one person for, for a long time. And that never happened before. So we went out for a couple of years and we got engaged. And then we, and after two years, we got married. All quite traditional. And I was still like mid 30s thinking, loving life, yeah. you know, holidays and going hot places and enjoying ourselves. And then she was like, um, as she was sort of 30 then, I think this, I think with women, without being too cliche, I think the, the clock starts to tick a little bit. And she said, I think we should start a family. I was like, oh. Okay. I'd never thought of it. I literally had never crossed my mind. It hadn't even entered your mind. So I said, all right. I said, you know, I'm not, we're not going to, we're obviously a couple, so that's that's fine. And then genuinely what happened was... Would you describe yourself as a deep thinker, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Seems fine. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She was buzzing. She was buzzing with that. <laughs> she knew she had the right bloke. <laughs> So genuinely, she'll kill me for this as well, is the, the day we decided, we went to bed that night and I said, uh, I said, do you want a boy or a girl? <laughs> she said, oh, boy, please. And that was it. I got her pregnant with Ben on the first go. <laughs> Did you? And I just thought, well, that's obviously, I'm an alpha male. This is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then with, with my, my little girl then, a couple of years later, we decide... Because Kel's a teacher, she wanted a kid born in the first term. You know, she's been looking at the metrics. Yeah. So, you know, she wanted right, the, yeah, yeah. the autumn term. So I said, okay, well, no problem. Girl this time? Okay. Second time took ages. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter was born right at the end of August. She's the youngest kid in the year. Oh, oh yeah. We tried for months and months, and we tried everything. It was hilarious. <laughs> what do you mean everything? Oh fucking hell! I, I can remember on we'd have all the sort of charts and when when was the best time to have sex and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, and then she'd read that cool semen is more productive, right? As in temperature, not like it's got a backwards cap on a skateboard. So you're gonna need to just shave off your moustache. <laughs> I used to go, before we went to bed, I was so unromantic. I used to have a mug, like one of my old coffee mugs. I'd fill it with chilled water. <laughs> I had to put my balls in a mug for like five minutes before I went to bed. 
and then she'd be doing like upside down cycle kicks and stuff and trying to get things you know it was, it was all very yeah. functional yeah. the second time around can i ask about the coffee mug did that continue as a coffee mug or was that <laughs> go back into rotation your special nut mug that's the guest mug <laughs> we get builders room town planners town planners gonna uh, <laughs> yeah. get your chops right there <laughs> yeah because it is quite when you're trying if it's not happening straight away it becomes almost like a part-time oh, job it's non-stop and it fine yeah. isn't it and you get a phone call saying, can you come on I, say, oh, I got it <laughs> it becomes so functional the mug's in the fridge <laughs> <All right. Thank> <laughs> As much as the last conversation won't hint at this, but you were a teacher. Yeah, yeah, the two are related, but yeah. So you spent your time around kids as well, but you just had no interest. Did that make you want to be a well, parent? I love kids. I've always got on well with kids because I'm a bit childish. These days I'd probably be diagnosed with ADHD if I was in school. Yeah, pretty sure. Like my wife's still a teacher. She said, definitely, definitely, definitely. And when were you a teacher? What decade were you a teacher? 90s? So 99 to 2007. Right. Like eight years? Yeah. Yeah. And what was that like compared to like the teaching when you were a kid versus being a teacher when you're a teacher? A lot less violent than when I was in school. I sort of caught the end of corporal punishment, really. Did you? Yeah. Even though it was illegal, technically, still, a lot of it went on still. Fuck, you know. You still got slapped and punched and kicked. And Bloody <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bashed your heads together and, you know. Fuck. There was all that sort of stuff still going wow. on. Yeah. And when that happens, do birds appear or is that just cartoons? <laughs> just cartoons, yeah. Okay, cool. Never seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your eyes do whirl round like that, though. Yeah, all right, okay. <laughs> yeah. So we none of that. Did you enjoy being a teacher? I loved it. I loved because I loved being around kids and having a laugh and doing... I didn't like... I was terrible at the paperwork and planning and all that sort of side of things. Awful at that. And so you obviously did parents' evenings. Yeah, yeah. Loved a parents' evening. Now, obviously, your kids are in school. Yeah. Are you judgmental on that? Because is your wife a teacher as well? So she's deputy yeah. head. She's very conscientious and very good at what she does. Right. So when it comes to your parents' evening with your kids, when you're going in and any sort of problems at the school, are you both quite sort of judgmental? Because obviously you know how it works, and especially for her. Are they at her school, by the way? No, no, they're both in Welsh language school. So Yes, okay. I think because I taught and she's a teacher, you understand it's bloody hard work teaching. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you worked it out as an hourly rate, the amount of hours that good teachers put in is phenomenal. So I've got nothing but respect for them. So I always, I've never been one of the judgmental types as a parent, I don't think. You know, you, you want your kids to get a good education and you want you want the school to be doing their job, but you've got to cut them some slack. I mean, there's so much. And I, I think in, in Wales, it's worse. It, you know, per head spend on education is lower in Wales. They're bigger class sizes. It's a lot of stress. Like, you know, they don't, they don't need extra stress. So, yeah, but then... The flip side of that is, because especially with because Kelly knows the score, because she obviously in her job deals with all that side of things. She knows what they should be getting and what, and what they should be doing and what where they should be. Yeah. So she'll sort of, it's a bit good cop, bad cop, you know. So you'll go in and smooth it over and she'll deliver the, the slap. I give him a cigarette and Kelly comes in and smacks it out of them. Has your son had a drink yet? I don't think he has. Yeah. I don't mind if he does. Like, like I've said to him before, do you want a chandy or something? Or do you want a, he doesn't want one. And to be honest with you, and this is really hypocritical, I'd love him not to drink. Yeah. Because I'm a worrier. Because I think I'm such a, I love my kids to bits. And I am a very overprotective dad. I know that. I'm much too overprotective with them. So I think of all the, the messes I got myself in on booze yeah. as a youngster. I don't want them to do that. And I know, I know there's part of growing up. I just think, God, I'm terrified now. If 
if they're away for the night, you know, if they go to the shops after school, I'm like, oh my God. Well, because it is part of growing up, but also when you grow up as a teenager, you all make mistakes and do things that you look back and cringe, go, oh God, why was I doing that? Yeah. I was a silly 16 year old. But it's much better for them to make their mistakes when they've not had 10 points. Yeah, exactly that, isn't it? <laughs> it's sort of an amplifier, <laughs> isn't it? Where like, yeah. you know, if you go around the world, there are teenagers that don't just get absolutely shit faced in the park on side. Oh, because completely. we're used to it in the UK. It's insane. It's a British thing, isn't it? And there's always a politician that will come out and say, we need to have more of a sort of uh, a European drinking culture. But, but that's not our culture is the thing. Yeah, exactly. We, it never has been. We don't do that. We just get pissed. Yeah. That's what British people do. Yeah. We've got a culture. It's called getting pissed. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So that's the thing. You're not going to get a 15-year-old lad who's going, I'm going to go out and have a glass of wine with dinner. Like, <laughs> oh, can you imagine? You know, no, down by the canal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No. I just have a half a Guinness actually for Paddy's Day just to celebrate <laughs> politely. What can happen? I think though the younger generation are a bit more interested in going to the gym and their bodies and what they look like and mental health way more so than they used to. When I was growing up, sports people were people like Tony Adams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brian Robson. Bill Werbenick, yeah. Alex Higgins, Brian Robson. Right? People who were pissheads and sports people. Whereas now, you know, my boy loves Gareth Bale. Well, Gareth Bale doesn't drink. No. A lot of his favourite footballers don't drink. Of course drink. he doesn't. He's the world's most boring man. <laughs> you can't say that to a Welshman, Josh. Good golfer. Great golfer. He's a good golfer. Good yeah. golfer. Very good footballer. I've got quite a curveball question about a Welsh person. Alex Jones. We had Alex Jones on the pod. She was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Have you met Alex Jones? I have, I have. Yeah. Because I saw a clip of you with Alex Jones in which you... Failed to break the world record for hugging the most people in a minute. Yes, true. And it was very contentious as well, Josh, might I add. I'd say it was one of the most bizarre clips I've ever seen in my Is life. Is it on the one show? It was a thing called Make Wales Happy, which was a high-budget... <laughs> and impossible task. A relatively high-budget <laughs> programme made by BBC Wales a couple of years ago. And one section of it was... I did various experiments about happiness. Yeah. And at the end of it, they wanted me to break the world hugging record for a minute. And it had to be different people. It couldn't be the same person twice. So there was a fellow there from the Guinness Book of Records with his blazer and his clipboard. Live TV was the last segment. And I smashed the old record by about six or seven hugs. <laughs> but previously, about two-thirds into the hug, into the record attempt, an old lady saw me and sort of stumbled. I don't know if she was... She's not made a word, obviously. So she got enamoured of me. I don't, I don't know. Something happened. She lost her footing. I sort of stepped forward to grab her, gave her a hug, stepped back, kept going. At the end, I was disqualified for leaving my hug mark in the Guinness Book of Records. <laughs> Disqualified on live television. And they said, do you want to go again? And the director's going, can't, it's live TV. You fucked it, mate. <laughs> so I was robbed of the world hugging record. Oh, Mike. I know. Absolutely brutal. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, Mike, I wanted to ask you another question as well. Mm. I've sort of followed your fitness journey on Instagram where I think it was in lockdown, you sort of lost a lot of weight and got very muscly. And I got I, buff again, I, yeah. You got really buff. Mm. How old you must have been, what, like in your 40s then when you were doing that? 48. So I think sometimes the dad bod thing and then sometimes when you become a dad, you get busy, you start eating crap and that's when it's sort of, you start to lose it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. want to try and get ripped. I've seen you get ripped. Mm. What advice would you give to any parents listening that want to get back on it how did you do it what was you doing to get back in shape i've got to get back on it because the golden rule is and it sounds like you're stating the obvious is consistency and i did it yeah i'd always been a good nick and then we had kids and you, you end up having takeaways not going out and not sleeping and getting naked and not doing stuff and i ended up getting up to 20 plus stone Blimey. Was, you know yeah you really do like elvis don't you <laughs> <Lockdown>. <laughs> <laughs> nice. do you remember in lockdown 
They were saying that the weight was a big factor, remember? But I thought, right, I got a young family, you know, for God's sake, give yourself a chance if you get it. I got locked down. I got um, COVID fairly early on before the vaccine. Mm. But I'd lost a lot of weight by that point. So the thing for me was, the gyms were shut at the time as well. This was the irony of it. But I thought, okay, I'm going to find something I enjoy doing, which is watching 70s TV, right? Yeah. yeah. I got a Rockford Fast box set. I got a Starsky Hatch box set. I got a Kojak box set. And every day before I had breakfast, I would put one of them on, sit on the exercise bike, and just pedal for 45 minutes watching The Rockford Files or watching Kojak. Yeah. Just, but do that every day of the week. And then as I got fitter, I'd watch two episodes. That was it. And then when the gyms opened again, I started lifting a bit of weight to get back on the weight. So really, so just from the exercise bike for 45 minutes in the morning... It's a huge difference. And you wasn't doing anything else. That was it, really. And then you started doing weights when the gyms opened. And then when the gyms opened, I went back on the weights again. And I, I did a lot of weights when I was younger, so it was easier for me to get strong yeah. again because I'd been strong before. But um, the thing with... Well, someone said you can't outrun your fork, which is a great saying, right? Mm. Can't outrun. Well, if you do forty-five minutes of an exercise bike, it seems like you've done a lot of work, but you have you have like a Twix, and that's all those calories are back on again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's fairly depressing, <laughs> but because you've gone on the bike in the morning and you've had a sweat on, you tend to say no to that Twix because you think, oh, I won't have that because I've just trained. Yeah, yeah, of course. So you start making good decisions because you've been up early doing a bit of work. So it's just consistency, and then stupidly, like an idiot, when the pubs opened up and it was all full on again. You just go back and think, oh, I'll just do it. I'll do three times a week. I'll do twice a week. I'll do, I'll do once a week. I'll, I'll do twice a month. It'll be fine. I'll have a and then you're doing no times a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me that twix. So I'm back on it again myself now, Rob. So you'll do it, mate. Yes, you'll that's do the it. plan. Consistency. I want to get in shape by July the 1st. July the 1st. What's happening then? Canada Day. I always have a little celebration on Canada Day. <laughs> <laughs> I just used to live in Canada, I like it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So July the 1st, tops off and a bit of maple syrup. Is that what's happening? Yeah, we covered a little maple syrup and get licked off my grizzly bear. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Should we do a joint tops off photo on July the 1st, Mike? I'm in, Rob. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. This is the peer pressure we need. I'll join in with that. July the 1st. You like a bit of that? We're yeah. all going to stick up a tops off photo on Instagram. This is good, man. Mike Bubbin's consistency challenge. Oh, my God. We need it. We need Mate, something. Make my hands go. Yeah. This is the calendar people want to see. Do you mean? What? The July the 1st Canada calendar of me, you, and Rob yeah. topless. Yeah. Canada consists Canada Day, 1st of July. Yeah. Me. There we go. Fucking hell. I've got Glastonbury the week before that. That'd be fine. You've been good enough for Glastonbury. Yeah. I'm going to be tops off at Glastonbury just getting ready for the pick. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to take a vest and put it in my back pocket when it gets hot. Perfect. And walk around ripped. Oh, my God. Let's do it. July the 1st. But I want people to go, is that Rob Beckett? And they go, it can't be. Can't be. <laughs> magic Mike, isn't it? I think we should agree to that and Michael needs to leave it the episode that the July the 1st will put a topless photo on Instagram because it's funny if we all just post us fat on the 1st of July I, I put weight on either way it's amazing if we get comments saying I just think it's really powerful what you guys are doing yeah, yeah. because a lot of people would be ashamed to put these photos up but <laughs> yeah. yeah it gets heat the wrong way like yeah. I just think <laughs> Body positivity yeah. in overweight men <laughs> should be celebrated more. And we're all going, well, this is the best we've looked. We've all lost the stone. You don't need to lose weight, though, Josh. Do you know what, body shaming anybody? If you want to be big, be big. Yeah. You know? I'm not going to go people who aren't big, yeah. but I would like to be not big. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to try and dry the first. July the first. Get my top off with you two. That's what the plan is. <laughs> yes. I didn't know that was the plan until about three minutes ago, but that is that the plan. That is the plan. Right, I'm going to put that in there at July the first. Tops off. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Perfect. Okay, that's what we need. We need that peer pressure. I'll be in my back garden. I'll be next to, hopefully, the hot tub. 
But don't you live off next to a man who's called like Tops Off Steve or something? Tops Off Vic, I moved, haven't I? I used to live oh, next yeah. to Tops Off Vic, but he comes to my house now more than he did when I lived next door to him, <laughs> to be fair. Why was he called Tops Off Vic? Because he just never have a top off. He was always gardening with his top off. When we did the arena show, because I talk about Tops Off Vic on the podcast quite a bit, I said, mate, do you want to come down to the arena on, on Saturday? He said, yeah, what for? I said, well, that podcast to do with the boys. Yeah, no problem. I said, do you mind coming on the stage and saying a lot of people? No, no, it'd be great. I said, do you mind taking the top off? <laughs> no, I'll be fine. <laughs> this like 78-year-old bloke comes out with his top off and there's 4,000 people chatting his name. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> Um, well, that'll be us. Mm-hmm. That's our future, isn't it? July the 1st. This is great. This is exciting. It's exciting. Thanks, Mike. And um, Lovely, boys. Thanks a lot. And also, listen to the socially... Is it called, still called the Socially Distant Sports Bar? It is called that. You've stuck with your lockdown name, whereas we deserted ours. I know. At Distant Pod. But people, people call it Distant Pod now, so it's, we can't change it now. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Give it a listen. It's a great podcast. Uh, thanks, Mike. And um, I'll see you on the Canada Day. Lovely, boys. Take care. July the 1st, here we come. Cheers, mate. Bye. Mike Bubbins. The Bubster. Loved him. I love Mike Bubbins. He's so good, today. He? So He's one of those people, if you met him on holiday, he'd be the greatest person you've ever met. Oh, my God, yeah. You'd be like, this guy. Yeah. I've just agreed to take my top off with him on the 1st of July. I'm just glad he exists. Do you know what I mean? You know when you meet people, you go, there's no one like Mike Bubbins. Well, do you know what's quite inspiring about him, especially with that weight loss thing, is like when you see photos of him, when he got in shape in lockdown, he was apps. He looked like someone that's going to be in the new Avengers film. Yeah. And then, like he said, he can occasionally let it slip where he sort of, you know, he just sort of, he just looks sort of like a normal dad, just a busy dad, not you know massive or anything. But it shows you if you do put the consistency in, I, you can get. I would love to have Mike Bubbins as a dad. Yeah. You know, he, you know, when we meet, meet people and you go, these are good dads. Also, we really need to unpack your dad having a ponytail. Well, we'll come to that next week. Right. Um. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.